Hey folks, it's Andy. It seemed like a great relevant topic for the first Analytical Preacher podcast would be to discuss the Bible and vaccines. Specifically, of course, uh, what's coming to mind is the coronavirus vaccine that's been so uh, in the news lately. Many of us, of course, will have personal opinions about vaccines. We'll have uh, deeply held personal opinions about how politics should be related to vaccines. I'm not interested in speaking about any of that. I'm simply looking to say, what framework does Scripture put down for us relative to vaccines? And, and I think the first thing we have to discuss, the first thing we need to approach is, are using vaccines in some way playing God? Uh, are we doing something that we shouldn't be doing? Probably the second thing that you have to sort of look at is, are using vaccines sort of taking the place of having faith in God to take care of us? So let's kind of drill both of those things really hard and really fast. First, uh, the answer, are using vaccines or really any other modern medical uh, equipment or techniques, is that playing God. There is a line that you can cross, and I'll do a separate podcast later on about where that line might be relative to modern medicine, about when humans are playing God. The answer is, are developing and deploying vaccines playing God? And the answer is absolutely no. There's nothing unbiblical. There's nothing unscriptural at all, period, about using vaccines. Probably the easiest way to understand this is to go back to the very beginning. We are told a few things in Scripture right there in the very first couple of chapters of Genesis. One, that we are created in the image of God. Well, what is the, what's the first thing that the Bible says about God? So if you look, the fifth word of the first verse of the first book of the Bible says that God is a creator. So in the beginning, so God is eternal. In the beginning, God created. And so we're made in the image of God, meaning we are creators ourselves. God says, here, I'm giving you all of this raw material to work with. And then God tells us things. He says in the very first chapter of Genesis, subdue the earth and have dominion over it. In the 14th verse of the first chapter, God tells us the world is designed to work in a consistent manner. So he literally says, the world, the universe that I have created will work in a mechanistic way. Take that knowledge and then go subdue it and have dominion over it. Be creative as I am creative. After the flood, God repeated to Noah that same thing. The world's going to continue to work in a consistent manner, Noah, and the mandate is still there. Subdue the earth and have dominion over it. What does that mean? It means make technological advances, make scientific advances, make medical advances. And so if anything, I would argue as a minister of the Bible, we are actually compelled, perhaps even commanded to do things like make medical advances. We are reflecting the image of God. We are being creative. We are subduing the earth. We are having dominion over the earth. And we're leveraging the fact that God has promised us, and of course science has now proven this over and over, that the world works in a mechanistic way. It is leverageable. It is studyable. And we can do things like create vaccines that will work in a consistent way. So as far as biblically, there's absolutely no issue with creating and using vaccines. And again, I could almost make the strength of the argument to say, 
If we're not making progress in those ways, then we're not doing what God has asked us to do. I think some folks think, but shouldn't we just pray and have faith? Again, I think it depends on how you define faith. Faith is believing that God can and will fulfill his promises. That's what faith is. Even if we don't see those promises being fulfilled, as Hebrews 11:1 tells us, we still have this conviction that if God has promised it, he will bring it to fruition. God never promised me that I wouldn't contract coronavirus or any other viral infection. And so it would be a little foolhardy for me to depend on that. But, but a little bit more to the point, I think, is this. If you look at Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica, Paul tells them, those who refuse to work, Just don't let them eat. So if people were sitting around praying, God, fill my stomach with food. I believe in you. I have faith in you. Paul is saying, no, if you pray for God to fill your stomach with food, 99 times out of 100, the way God is going to answer that prayer is he's going to allow you to have a job that you can work, the the wages from which you can buy food to feed yourself and your family with. And it works the exact same way when it comes to our medical health. And I'll give you a classic example that every preacher has used and preached on dozens of times in their ministry. It comes from the book of 2 Kings in the Old Testament, and it deals with a king named Hezekiah, who was told that he was going to die and then praise to God. Let me just read those scriptures word for word for you here. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the king, out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, and here's our key. And Isaiah said, bring a cake of figs and let them take and lay it on the boil that he may recover. And you find that in 2 Kings chapter 20, the first seven verses. But here's the point. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told the prophet, the prayer will be answered. He will be healed. But Hezekiah and Isaiah, the prophet, didn't just say, great, we'll be healed. Let's get up and start dancing. No, Isaiah said, God has promised a healing, but healings are almost always brought about through medicinal purposes. Now, we don't necessarily think about a cake of figs. We would think of a cake of figs being more dessert at Christmas. But in those days, right, you have to think about how many thousands of years ago this was. In those days, that was the best medicine available. So this is exactly how that story reads. A king was told that he was going to die. He turned to God and prayed, allow me to be healed. God said, I will in fact heal you for my sake, God says. I will in fact heal you. And the prophet who was sent to tell him the message, your prayer has been heard and you will be healed, then says, bring me the best medicine available today. 
and let me apply that medicine to this person so that God can, through that, affect the healing. And so how would we read that today? Well, of course, we would say there is a viral contagion going around and I'm praying to God, allow me to not catch it or allow me to be healed from it if I do catch it. And then we would say a preacher like me, someone who's speaking for the word of God, I'm not hearing voices directly from God. I'm simply reading scripture that God has laid down for me. But looking at that scripture, then I say, use the best medical the best medicine available to bring about that healing or to prevent those diseases. And so using a vaccine, all a vaccine does is it goes into your body and through different ways, there's different approaches that vaccines take. A vaccine simply stimulates your body's own natural immune system. And so there's no problem at all with us using an artificial means like a cake of figs to help heal something. There's no problem at all with us using some artificial means to get our bodies to generate a natural immune response to build antigens and antibodies that can attack this virus if it ever invades our body. There's nothing unbiblical at all about doing that. Now, on a much more sensitive point, and we do want to be sensitive about this point, you may have heard or you may yourself be a Christian who has said that they refuse the COVID vaccine because a cell line from an aborted baby was used in the development of the, vac- of the vaccine. That is true, that a cell line from a child that was aborted decades ago in another country is used in the development of vaccines such as this. And so here's how biblically we have to look at this. And to be perfectly honest, different Christians will come at, will come away uh, with different answers when they look at it this way. And here's, here's a, maybe an analogy or a story we could look at. Let's say that your child needs an organ transplant and you are desperate for your child to have an organ transplant. And the doctor comes into the room and says, I had another patient and I killed that patient so that their organs would be available for me to transplant in your child. And I think almost every Christian, and to be honest, I think every ethical person would say, I have to refuse that. You can't take the life of another with the sole intention of providing me with something uh, of benefit medically. And so if Um, Moderna or Pfizer and BioNTech had said, we have aborted a child. And some people will say, well, abortion is not wrong, but most Christians will say, well, yes, abortion is wrong. So we've aborted a child. So for those who believe, I'm sorry, we've aborted a child intentionally to use the tissue in medical research to build this virus then almost every Christian who says that abortion is wrong or every non-Christian who says that abortion is wrong is going to say, ethically, I need to refuse that virus. But the child wasn't aborted specifically for that. So to continue our example, let's think about it this way. Let's say that the doctor comes in and says, a young person was murdered tonight and I'm going to be able to harvest the organs, the kidneys, the liver, whatever. A young person was murdered tonight in a violent scene in another part of town. Tragic loss of life, but I'm going to be able to harvest the organs from that deceased, murdered individual and implant them 
into your child and thereby likely save your child's life. That's a very different ethical decision that both Christians and non-Christians then would have to make. Some might still say, I'm uncomfortable taking someone, an organ from someone who was murdered in such a callous and brutal way, and I wouldn't feel right. Others would say, no, it's very different. At least something positive would come from their life, perhaps, etc. And so that's the way I think that Christians are looking at this idea is that because a child was not and would not be explicitly aborted just to promote this medical research, that they feel very comfortable using the the vaccines that were created in that way. But to be honest, others say they just cannot and will not get there morally and ethically, that because there is tissue from an aborted baby for for even though it was aborted for a different reason in a different time and a different place, they just will never feel comfortable doing that. That's a personal decision of your conscience. I don't believe that's a question that the Bible itself can answer. And let me, let me address one more issue if I can. I've had a couple of folks who said to me, and I was a little surprised to be honest, but a couple of folks said to me, and this is sort of a synthesis, if you will, of what they said. I haven't trusted politicians in a long time. And as we've gone through the corona pandemic, I've started to lose trust in even medical personnel because I've seen them on CNN or on Fox News line up strictly according to politicians and to political beliefs and ideologies. And it's really causing me, not only do I now not trust politicians, I'm not even sure I trust scientists and medical doctors. I would still trust a preacher if you know the answer to these questions. And they've asked me a couple of questions, which are, which are this, and I do know the answers to the questions. And so I will share them on the podcast as well as I've shared them personally with individuals. Their questions are this, does an mRNA vaccine, so the type of vaccine that's made by Moderna, and Pfizer-BioNTech, which is not one company, it's two companies that work in partnership. It is the vaccine made by Moderna and, and, and BioNTech. Will they alter my DNA? Am I going to be a permanently altered species because I have mRNA injected, inoculated into me? The answer to that is no, absolutely no. Isn't happening, cannot happen. And then the other answer, uh, I'm sorry, the other question is, is this mRNA, even if it doesn't technically change my DNA, is it now going to be a part of me itself for the rest of my life? And the answer to that is no as well. And so I think for a lot of Christians, it's not so much uh, how the vaccines were developed. There's a concern about the long-lasting impact. And I can say with absolute certainty Uh, It does not alter your DNA, and it does not stay in your body forever. For those interested in the detail, if you give me a couple more minutes, I can kind of quickly give you the detail. If you think back to your biology, I'm sorry, your high school biology book, you'll remember that a cell sort of looks like a circle, and then there's another circle inside of it. So you've got the membrane of the outside of the cell, and on the inside, there's another circle that's called the nucleus of the cell. That's where your DNA is housed. In every cell in your body, inside the nucleus, is your DNA. And it's the prime blueprint or software code for how you are physically made. 
mRNA never goes into the nucleus of any cell in your body. Therefore, it simply cannot, it wouldn't change actually even if it went in, but because it doesn't even go into the nucleus, think about the nucleus as a vault. The blueprints, the recipe for how you are made is so important that it's stored inside of a vault inside of your cell. And the mRNA never gets to, never gets inside that vault. The blueprints, the recipe is safe. That's a, that's a guarantee. That's a promise from the preacher. So then how does it work? Well, what mRNA does, and I guess I should mention, your body every day is creating M, messenger, messenger RNA that goes into the, the non-nucleus components of the cells and makes certain enzymes and proteins and antibodies and antigens, etc. And so this mRNA that gets injected into you simply goes into your cell and says, I've been directed to make this particular protein. Once that particular protein is made, and that protein, by the way, is the ammunition that your body uses to shoot and kill the virus when it's detected. Each virus has to have a specific type of ammunition made in order for your immune system to be able to shoot it. And so the mRNA simply says, make this type of protein for me and then kind of keep it in storage. And then if you see this type of enemy, you shoot this type of uh, ammunition at it. mRNA is a very fragile, fragile material. And so what happens is once the cell has taken the mRNA, which is kind of a photocopy of a part of a blueprint that your body needs, once it sort of takes that and makes the protein, then the body disposes of the mRNA. And just so we understand how fragile this mRNA is, you may have heard that for these Moderna and BioNTech, Pfizer-BioNTech shots, that they had to be stored at this super cold temperature. And the reason they have to be stored at these ultra cold temperatures is because of how fragile they are. They would literally, if they weren't stored at that temperature, they would end up disintegrating and becoming worthless even before they ever got into your body. Once they're in your body, your body recognizes this is a part of the recipe for me to make a protein to make the ammunition I need for this event. I recognize that. Let me make the protein. Let me generate the ammunition and store it. But this mRNA is always designed to part our body makes every day or what might be injected in a vaccine is always designed to be destroyed after the copy, that copy of the recipe has been used in the short term. So to recap, vaccines are biblical because Christians are told to subdue the earth, to be creative like God, to take the consistency of the natural world and leverage it to our advantage because as we create we reflect the glory and the magnificence of our eternal God. The Bible tells us that we should pray about wealth and health and everything else, but that God is simply not going to fill our stomach with food or cure us of every disease. And therefore, what we need to do is apply work effort and the best modern medicine in those. And we have clear examples of that in the Bible, such as King Hezekiah. And for those who are concerned about how the virus, I'm, I'm sorry, how the vaccine might change you, 
It never interacts with your DNA. It cannot and does not change your DNA. And the mRNA itself is only in your body for an extremely short period of time after your body has used it in a natural process that it's doing with other mRNA snippets uh, at the same time and has done and will do continually throughout your life.